Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to the King's House Podcast. We're a non-denominational church located in McAllister, Oklahoma, reaching and serving those in our community and around the world. We believe that church is not something you go to, but a family you belong to. And a house is just a house until the family's there. Then the house becomes a home. So today we want to say, welcome home, as we jump into today's service. Good morning, King's House. How are you guys doing today? Everybody good? Turn to your neighbor and say, good morning. Turn to your other neighbor and say, sorry, you're my second choice, but good morning to you too. Guys, I'm so honored to be here with you, to be able to speak with you. I get the nervous jitters every single time. So if I talk fast, it's because I'm nervous. So you know how like Spotify and stuff, when you're listening to someone and it plays like, you can go like two times faster, three times. It's okay, you can slow me down a little bit if you need to after this, okay? Hey, we're on this series called Dream With All My Heart. And two weeks ago, Pastor Luke Barnett of Dream City Church from Phoenix, Arizona was here and he kicked us off. And what an incredible man of God. This guy encourages people to dream God-sized dreams so you can see those dreams become a reality. As a matter of fact, Pastor Mark's not here today. That's why I'm here. And he's actually speaking at the Scottsdale campus of Dream City Church in Arizona. Come on, somebody. And so, aren't you, yeah. Aren't you guys glad that God uses our pastor more than just within these four walls? It's incredible. And so he said that uh, by the time you guys are getting out of here, he's probably gonna be stepping on stage at Scottsdale campus. So you can check out the Dream City Church on their YouTube channel if you wanna spy on Pastor Mark. It's okay. Hi, Pastor Mark, we love you. <laughs> Listen, it's incredible what God's doing. I will get ahead of the bandwagon because this, uh, this relationship with Dream City Church and Pastor Luke started about two years ago. And even two years ago, uh, this relationship and friendship between Mark and Luke started to become like a reality like two peas in a pod. And I kid you not, a lot of our core church people literally went up to Mark and Aaron and be like, so, so when are they gonna hire you and you're moving? Like, when are you leaving us? Like, they're already preparing their hearts for something. And, and that's not true because first of all, uh, they gotta duke it out with Erica Hinnon, first of all, okay? You're not taking our pastor. Second of all, you gotta go through Blake. You gotta go through me. You gotta go through Pastor Josh. And I'm pretty sure you guys, so it's okay. Pastor Mark's not leaving. He's still here. And you guys can say amen to that. Just say amen really quick. Okay, see, I told you, Pastor Mark, they love you, okay? But no, it's a good thing. But the relationship between um, little old McAllister, Oklahoma, King's House, and a huge organization that has been established for so long, like Dream City Church, like only a relationship by God is like creating this amazing thing, and the best is yet to come of what God's wanna doing through that. Someone say amen. Last week, uh, it was Mother's Day weekend, and Sister Pastor First Lady Erica Hannon was in the house and brought the heat, didn't she? My gosh, it was incredible. She gave a message to all of us to don't stop believing in these dreams that God gives you. And if necessary, you gotta fight for those dreams, right? Today, if you're taking notes, my message is called Dreams and Schemes because there is a difference, dreams and schemes. And if you brought your Bibles, we're gonna be camping out in the book of uh, Genesis. I almost said Exodus. We're gonna be camping out in the book of Genesis today because anytime a church talks about dreams and visions or you're talking with a friend about that, typically a guy named Joseph comes into that conversation at some point in time or another. You guys know who Joseph is? The guy with the coat of many... Colors, okay, cool, so you guys are aware of that. So right out of the gate, I wanna share with you guys is that we're not gonna be focusing on the dreams that Joseph dreamt. I know we're talking about dream with all my heart, 
But we're not talking about the dreams that he dreamt. We're gonna be focusing on how he got those dreams, and that was point A, and how he saw those dreams become a reality, that's point B, and every area in between. The Bible says Joseph was never unfaithful. Someone say, never unfaithful. As a matter of fact, he's one of the very few that go in the word of God as someone with a clean record. So that's what I want you to understand as we walk through this together this morning and you listen to me for 25 or 30 minutes. Remember that Joseph never remained unfaithful. Can we lift up Pastor Mark in prayer really quick before we get going? Make sure that we just are united with him in our hearts. God, we just thank you so much for Pastor Mark and Erica and what you've established here in McAllister, Oklahoma, God, and, and the leadership that they have over us. God, we are so thankful for a pastor that not just uh, reaches our community, but is so open to being used by you all over the place. God, we thank you for the relationship with Dream City Church. Will you use Pastor Mark's words this morning as he speaks to that church body and use me, Lord, as I speak to my church family, this church body this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. If you have to do a book report on Joseph, which is kind of what mine is, all right, you can either read his story in the book of Genesis or you can watch the movie, okay? <laughs> Your book report will still come out almost the same in that there are three distinct places that the story of Joseph takes him because of his dreams. And we're gonna be going over all three of those this morning. I got a lot of material, so buckle up tight, okay? We're gonna talk about the pit, the prison, and the palace. We're gonna talk about number one first, which is the pit, but let me give you a quick backstory before we jump into that disgusting pit. In Genesis chapter 37, verse one, this is where the story of Joseph picks up. We think that he's this cute little, maybe elementary kid who gets this cute little coat of many colors, but that's not at all what the Bible tells us. It says that when Joseph was 17 years old, kind of like a lot of our high school graduates, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, but Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things that his brothers were doing. Nobody likes a tattletale, am I right? Snitches get stitches. You guys are with me. Okay, snitches get stitches, making sure you're with me. Now, it goes on to tell us that Jacob, which was Joseph's father, loved Joseph more than any of his other children. I gotta pause there for a second because I need some honesty in this house. Don't worry, I'm not gonna ask you that question, but raise your hand if you have more than one child. Raise your hand, come on, it's okay to be proud about it. Look at all these hands going up. All right, parents, if you have more than one child, it's an unspoken law of parenthood. You're not allowed to have a favorite. I know we say that, but I know, <laughs> but you just can't verbalize it. You can't express it. Like as a kid, it's just me and my older sister. She's two years older than me. And I was convinced as a kid, like screw it, I'm still convinced today, that she is the favorite. And let me, let me, I got some, I got ammo, I'll show you why. Because growing up, anytime things went in my sister's favor over my own, I would complain to my mom or my dad about it, probably similar to what you're used to hearing in your household. You don't love me as much as you love her. She's your favorite, isn't she? Just admit it, I, you don't love me. And I kid you not, my mom's natural response was this. Not a great moment for a dramatic pause, mom. It's like I could see the gears in her mind turning like, crap, I'm caught. How do I let him down gently? 
And I'm not kidding you guys. From kid to teenager into young adulthood, I would complain to my mom sometimes, and that was her response, was a dramatic stare, followed later by this one-liner that she still sometimes tells me today. I love you, Mom. She says, now, Chris, you're my favorite son. I'm your only son, woman. You just confirmed without confirming she's your favorite. Like, are you kidding me? It's like she was like thinking like, how do I let him down gently? Poor homeschool Chris, high five, yay. Okay, um, you're my favorite son. No, if one of your kids come up and ask you if they're your favorite, lie to them or they're gonna end up like me, okay? I'm not bitter at all, love you, mom. <laughs> at age 17, Joseph gets this coat of many colors, which really doesn't sound like a lot to us today, but it was a really big deal back then. And this coat of many colors, no one else got, so this made his brothers even more jealous because the favored one got the favorite gift. And it was during this time that Joseph had his first two dreams from God. They were one and the same, even though the dreams were different. One of them, Joseph in his dream gathered up this big old bundle of wheat and it was so strong it could stand up all on its own. His brothers in the dream did the same thing, but their bundles of wheat actually bowed to Joseph's bundle of wheat. The next dream was the same uh, meaning was that Joseph was a star in the night sky. His brothers were also stars, followed by his mom and dad by the sun and the moon, and all the stars and the sun and the moon bowed to Joseph. Well, you can imagine the breakfast table was a great place to be that morning. Joseph comes storming down wearing that coat of many colors and telling everybody what those dreams meant and, and really what he had. And I can imagine that those brothers became even more jealous and more upset, like, are you kidding me, favored one? My goodness, what, are we gonna bow and worship you? Like, are you kidding me? Our story picks up in Genesis 37, where it says, while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what those dreams meant. So a question that I'm sure we've all asked ourselves before is this, how do I know if the dream and the passion and the desire that's in me right now is a dream from God or just maybe part of something I ate last night before I went to bed. Anybody with me on that one? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Like what, what, what did I eat last night? Like, is this from God or is this from something else? If you're asking yourself, is this dream from God or not? I've got a few little tools I'm gonna throw at you this morning before we go on. Are you guys ready? Number one, a dream that can't be tested is a dream that can't be trusted. If that dream, if that passion, if that desire of yours does not align with the absolute truth of God's word, it's not a dream from God. Move on from it. Another part is that a dream that God gives you for the future has to endure the test of today. In other words, when Joseph had this dream, he didn't know about it, but it was foretelling of what was gonna happen in the future. But when he woke up that next morning and told his friends and his family, they rejected his dreams and they rejected him. Sometimes, King's House, that's a good sign of a God-sized dream is that sometimes your dream is gonna threaten somebody, even those closest to you at times. Another point is that you gotta remember is that when you're rejected by other people, the Bible tells us in John 16, 33, where Jesus said, I've said these things to you that in me you can have peace because in this world you will have tribulation, but take heart because I've overcome the world. Now Joseph's brothers came up with this plan to get rid of their brother. Like literally, they grabbed him, they stripped him of this fancy coat and they threw him into a 
pit. That's our first stop this morning. Thanks for coming to the king's house. You're in a pit, okay? Joseph's thrown into this pit and their brothers start coming up with this plan like, okay, let's grab this stupid coat. Let's rip it up as much as we can. Let's dip it in some animal blood. We'll take the torn, tattered, bloody coat to dad and just make waterworks come up. You grab the water and I'll pretend, okay? Splash it on my face. And dad, we, we, we don't know what happened to Joseph. This is all we have. He must've been eaten even though they threw him into a pit, right? Okay, so he's in this pit and they're coming up with this plan to just do away with their brother. And when you think that, well, that's horrible. Well, it kind of gets worse because they actually sell him into slavery. In order to get rid of him, they pull him up out of that pit. And I'm sure Joseph in that moment was thinking that, good one, brothers, <laughs> you got me. Okay, I promise I won't tell dad about this one. And I promise not to tell dad about what you did last week, uh, Jeremiah. But you, you know, you guys are great. And, and it was all fun and games until his wrists were tied together and he had to follow behind a camel's butt from Canaan all the way to Egypt because his brothers sold him into slavery. But sometimes, someone say sometimes. Sometimes rejection can be God's direction. Think about it for a second. Joseph had to be rejected by his own family in order to be led in the direction that God ultimately wanted his roots to be established in. Sometimes King's House, and it's not easy, when you share your dreams and your passion, your desires, your calling with someone, and you're just talking to them because you don't know, is this from God? Is this from me? Like, I don't know. I don't know this feeling. This is just something inside of me. And then you're rejected by them. Maybe they try to shut you down. Maybe they think that they deserve the same dream, the same calling that you have, and now they started to treat you a little bit differently. But I wanna encourage you this morning is that what God does in you, he will finish through you. What God does in you and me, he will finish through you. It's in Philippians chapter one, verse six, where he says that he who began a good work in you will carry it out until completion. So what's your pit today? Hopefully no one has taken you and thrown you into one. <laughs> that would be weird. Blink twice if you're in trouble, okay? Your pit today, guys, actually might be the pit of depression. Maybe it's the pit of anxiety or the pit of fear of failure because you have shared this with people, or maybe your pit is the pit of rejection, that you have been rejected by even those closest to you. But I got some good news for you. If you feel stuck in this pit, uh, you don't have to stay there because your boy Joseph in our story didn't stay there. This is just the beginning of the story. And if you feel stuck in a pit, this is just the beginning of your story too. God's not done with you yet. He still has more for you to go and he's wanting you to dream bigger dreams. So Joseph was thrown in this pit and then he was pulled out. That's the good news. The bad news is that he was sold into slavery. If you continue to read in the book of Genesis, you can read Joseph's story. A guy by the name of Potiphar purchased him and took him to his house. And the Bible tells us that Potiphar had a wife and his dream was probably to have the great house and homestead, maybe a farm, whatever. He was an Egyptian officer. The Bible tells us that even as a slave, because of Joseph's faithfulness, God's favor was upon him. Someone say faithfulness. Because of his faithfulness, God's favor was upon Joseph to where Potiphar raised him up to be second in command of everything he had. 
Joseph had it pretty good for a slave, guys. He was over all the other slaves. He made sure that whatever needed to be kept was kept. Whatever needed to be stocked was stocked. Everything seemed to be going great for Joseph, all things considering. But how many of you guys know when things start to seem to go pretty good for us is the moment the enemy wants everything to go bad for us. It's true. And, and I can back it up. He hates you. Don't take it personally. The enemy hates me too. It's because you and I are made in God's image. We remind him too much of Jesus who has already kicked his butt and won the war. And the Bible says he's gonna do everything he can to steal, kill, and destroy. He hates you. He's got a plan for you and it's not a good one. And that's exactly what happened to our boy Joseph in the story. The Bible tells us that while everything was going good for him, the Bible says that at age 17, 18, maybe 19, he was a really handsome, good looking guy. And Potiphar's wife had a thing going on for Joseph. I'm pretty sure this is the first historical document of the first ever recorded cougar. I'm serious. Like it's right there in the Bible. This lady was going after this young guy. And I've got a theory about this, guys. I do, I really do. At age 17, 18, 19, if a woman is like, I mean, she's not upside down pineappling it at all. Like she is flat out telling him, I wanna have sex with you. Like, come on, baby. Multiple times the Bible says. I got a theory about this. Either one, Joseph was extremely faithful to God and to his master Potiphar because the Bible says he was never unfaithful. Or two, Potiphar's wife was just really, really, really ugly. One of those two, it had to have been the one of those two. Because we're in church, I'm gonna go with the first one because it sounds more spiritual. <laughs> that Joseph was just extremely faithful because at age 17, 18, 19, some cougar's trying to get her claws into you. I don't know, you better be faithful in God. One day, this cougar got her claws a little too deep into Joseph's shirt because she cornered him, once again demanding that he sleep with her. Joseph rips away from her grip, like literally rips part of his shirt showing his amazing pecs and abs. And he's running out the door, leaving this lady. I mean, this is awkward. <laughs> I've tried to get with Joseph multiple times. I'm holding now part of his ripped shirt. Mm, still smells like him. Like, this is awkward. I've been rejected by this guy multiple times. What do I do with this? So she comes up with a plan. You gotta give it to her. She screams. Ah! That's for anyone who's asleep in the house this morning. She screams and everyone comes running. Oh my God, what's wrong? She turns on the waterworks and she's saying, Joseph tried to sleep with me. Like she turned it around. And when I said no, he forced himself onto me. So I thought I'd scream and he was scared he was gonna get caught. So he ran and I have proof that this is his shirt. So Potiphar calls his wife and Joseph before him. And who do you think he's gonna believe, a slave or his wife? It's not a trick question. Who do you think he's gonna believe? His wife. And Joseph is now thrown in prison. Didn't do anything wrong. Remained faithful to the very end, treated unfairly and thrown into prison. And the story of Joseph picks up right here in Genesis chapter 39. And I love what the word of God says, but the Lord was with Joseph in the prison. The Bible could have just been really fancy and just say, but the Lord was with Joseph no matter what. But I love the specifics King's house and this is why. It's because no matter if you're in a pit or you feel like you're in a prison and your highest of highs or in your lowest or lows and everything in between, the Lord is with you there. The Lord is with you there. So this brings us to our second stop this morning. We went from the pit 
and now we're in the prison. And a lot of us may seem like this is familiar territory with us. And I'm not talking about you getting arrested one day. I'm talking about the possibility of you feeling stuck in a prison in your own life. It's because you were faced with a temptation and you gave into it and you fell. Joseph was faced with a temptation. And before I talk about the different ways we can be tempted, can I make one thing clear really quick before we move on? Uh, Cause I've talked with a lot of people about this even growing up in my young adult life and they're talking to me about the Bible. A lot of us have this miscued mindset of who God is. Let me clarify this really quick for you. God does not tempt you. God tests you, Satan tempts you. Think about it like this. We're talking about dreaming with all your heart, chasing after these God-sized dreams, these visions God's giving you. A test is there to measure your progress. That's why we have tests in school, even homeschoolers, okay? We had tests, okay? A test is there to measure your progress, but a temptation is there to make you fail. And if we're talking about stepping into your callings and your God-given dreams, when God gives us a test, he's testing us to see, are you ready to step into that dream and that calling I have for you? But when the enemy sends a temptation your way, it's meant to trip you up to where you're flat on your face. You're not even on your feet in the first place. Therefore, you can't step into that calling that God has for you. Do you guys see the difference? Okay, so this is why I love what 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says. It's forever ingrained in my heart from my youth. No temptation has overtaken me except that is common to man. But God is faithful and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to bear. And with every temptation, he always gives a way of escape. How many guys are so thankful for that this morning? He always provides a way of escape. And we're tempted with different ways. The three ways I just want to talk about really quick, especially when it comes to chasing after these God-sized dreams that God gives you. One of the ways we could be tempted is the temptation to cheat, to cheat our way to see our dreams become a reality. The Bible never says that Joseph was tempted to cheat because it says he remained faithful. But think about it from a human's perspective. He could have cheated. The cougar wanted him, like not her own husband. Together they could have ruled the world. No, I'm just kidding. They could have overthrown Potiphar and they could have kicked him out and together had that beautiful white picket fence home and maybe have a few kids together. He could have been tempted to cheat on his own dreams and try to cheat and get someone else's dream, but he didn't. And that's exactly what the enemy likes to do when he tries to tempt us to cheat, doesn't it? He wants to tempt you with what you can get today, but what God has for you tomorrow, he wants you to have it now. And we have to be extremely careful when that happens. I know there's a lot of real life examples out there of people who have cheated their way to the top. When I was getting ready for this message, one of which just came to me was Lance Armstrong. If you don't, if you don't know who Lance Armstrong is, he's a world-renowned cyclist. As a matter of fact, some reporters even call him a cyclist prodigy. His dream was to become one of the top known cyclists of the world, and he has successfully made that dream become a reality because for seven years in a row, he won the Tour de France. Seven years in a row. You win one tour of a cyclist, you're a machine. Two years, wow. Three years, you're a god among men. Seven years in a row? Bruh, you are amazing. Until 2012 came around and he was stripped from all those titles. Why? Because he was caught using performance enhancing drugs. He cheated. 
So yeah, his dream became a reality. He was definitely known as one of the well-known cyclists of the world, just not in the way he probably wanted to be. So many times we try to cheat our way to the top and we see the results that come from that. If you're not tempted to cheat, maybe you're tempted to force that dream to become a reality. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I don't think God works fast enough. Am I the only one? Come on, it's okay to be honest with yourselves on this. Maybe you're praying for healing. Maybe you're praying for a financial breakthrough. Maybe there's a relationship, whether it's family or something that you're trying to get back together, or maybe a job that you're not comfortable with and you're trying to ask for another one. Trust me, been there, done that. And you wanna start taking matters into your own hands. You wanna start putting out resumes. You wanna start trying to match make. You wanna try to start doing that. But how many guys know that the moment we start taking matters into our own hands is the moment it falls through our fingertips, comes crashing to the ground. It's almost like you put a bunch of gasoline on a brush fire and then try to light it at face value. Some of y'all will get that. Or it's just as idiotic as trying to run around with an empty five gallon bucket saying you gotta put out a grass fire. That's my wife over there, I love you baby. (laughs) Anyway, all that to say guys, when we try to force a dream to happen on our own, it actually blows up in our face, no pun intended, okay? If you're not tempted to cheat, if you're not tempted to force your dream into a reality faster than what you feel like God can do it, then maybe you're just tempted to give up and quit altogether. And I feel like if anybody could play the I quit card, it could have been Joseph because his dream involved his family. His family, as far as he knew, is in his past, not his future. And when you're thrown into a pit, when you're thrown into a prison for doing absolutely nothing wrong, like, yeah, it is so easy to just give up and quit. But King's House, can I tell you something? If you quit before your breakthrough, then you quit too soon. Don't quit before you have a breakthrough because I promise you, God did not lead you to a pit or a prison to abandon you there. Just like he was with Joseph, he's with you too, and he's not giving up on you. Your story's not over. The best is still yet to come, and God is wanting you to start dreaming bigger dreams. But Pastor Chris, you don't understand what I've done. Like, I, I, I was tempted, and, and, I, and I fell, and, and it sucks. Like, I'm having to suffer the consequences for it. Like, I just feel stuck in this prison, but yet I know that God has this dream and this calling ahead of me. I just don't know what. I feel stuck in this prison. I don't know what to do. Well, it reminds me of two other prisoners who did nothing wrong, and they were thrown in prison just for sharing the gospel of Jesus. You can read their story in the book of Acts. Their name was Paul and Silas. They were thrown in prison just for talking about Jesus. And we're talking about the yuckiest part of prison, like the lowest parts, like all the other prisoners, their sewage went downhill and that's where Paul and Silas were. Probably no light, probably no ventilation. And instead of just throwing up their hands and giving God the middle finger, the Bible says that they threw up their hands and they lifted up their voices and they started to sing hymns and songs of worship to God. And as they did that, the earth shook Not only their prison doors, but every prisoner door there flung open and every chain holding down a captive was broken and all the prisoners went free. Pastor Chris, what do I do when I feel stuck in this prison and I don't know what to do and people have eyes on me and I can just feel them glaring at me. There goes so-and-so who did such and such. There goes what's her name who did what's its face. Like it's just all this crazy stuff that you're like, what do I do? I feel stuck in this prison. King's house. I know I can make a lot of jokes and I love making everybody laugh because if I can make you laugh, I can have your heart. But the moment you start taking your focus off of everything that seems to be going wrong in your life and you put your focus on everything that's right 
and you begin to worship the name of Jesus, that's when breakthrough will happen. That's when things will start shifting. That's when things will start changing. Your prison doors can open up as well as those around you. I don't feel like it. Well, I don't care. I don't feel like it either. I'm speaking from experience. Sometimes, baby, you gotta be like Nike and just do it. Like you just gotta do it. God's not up there thinking, oh, I really hope that they're feeling like they wanna worship me today. I could really use it. No, we have to worship our way through it. You don't even have to lift a finger to get out of your prison cell, baby. You just have to lift up your voice. And here's the other thing. (laughs) There's somebody knocking at the door of your prison that you might feel stuck in this morning. And he has your bail bond. As a matter of fact, he already paid for your freedom. His name is Jesus. And he doesn't look at your past. He doesn't look at the things that you fell and that you did wrong. He's looking at your future, baby. And he's saying, it's time for you to get up off your butt, shake it off and step into the dream and the calling that God has for you. It's time to dream bigger dreams. That's what God wants for you. And so we go from the pit to the prison, ultimately, you can read in Joseph's story, we get to the palace, ooh, the palace. But it didn't happen immediately. As a matter of fact, while Joseph's in this prison, he's got two other prisoners that he becomes buddies with. It's the baker of the king and the cupbearer to the king. Both of these guys have crazy dreams and they don't know what they mean because they've got nothing else to do in prison. They talk about them to Joseph. Joseph then tells them what their dreams mean that in three days, they're both gonna be released from prison and wouldn't you know it? Three days later, their dreams come true. They're released from prison. And just like Joseph said was gonna happen, one of them would be released from prison, but was gonna be publicly executed. That's a great dream. The other one was gonna be back in position of serving the king as the cupbearer. So as these guys are leaving, Joseph grabs a hold of the cupbearer and says, please remember me. Please tell Pharaoh I'm here. I did nothing wrong. Prison door slammed shut. Joseph's left there all alone. And here's where we pick up our story of Joseph in Genesis chapter 41, verse one. Two full years later. Two full years later. King's House, I don't know if you are stuck in a pit right now or if you feel stuck in a prison right now. And I don't know how long you might be in those situations. Your two years might be two days, two weeks, but God is with you right where you're at. Last Sunday, as I was getting ready for this message, I decided to do both for my book report for you. I read the story in the book of Genesis and I watched the movie. It's from the DreamWorks Animated Studios that was made back in 2000 called Joseph, the King of Dreams. I really recommend it for you to watch that with your kiddos. It's a great movie. The Bible doesn't talk about what happened to Joseph in those two years. And so DreamWorks came up with the creative liberty to show like a time lapse of two years in prison. And while I'm watching this, I couldn't help but smile because I just felt God kind of going, eh, eh? In that prison, in this video, there's this little plant barely making it through the cracks of the prison, barely making it through. And Joseph starts to water it over these two years, starts to take care of it, starts to tend it. And over two years, it flourishes into this amazing tree right there in his prison. And God was like, isn't that just like you and me, that when you feel stuck in your prison, I'm the one who's tending you. 
I'm the one who's taking care of you. I'm the one who's helping you plant your roots right where you're at so that you can grow and mature and get ready to step into the next part of your story. I'm so thankful that God is always with us. So what happened after two years, Pastor Chris? After two years, Pharaoh had some dreams and he lost sleep over it. Couldn't eat, couldn't sleep. No one in the kingdom could tell him what these dreams meant. And the cupbearer goes, I know a guy. Yeah, he's still in prison. Don't tell him I said that, but bring Joseph here. Like better late than never, cupbearer. Thanks a lot. Two years later, Joseph's cleaned up and brought into the palace before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh tells him his dreams. God gives Joseph the meaning. He says, you're gonna have seven years of plenty and harvest followed by seven years of famine. Well, what do we do, Joseph? What does your God say that we do? Well, it's simple. You gather enough food to uh, feed your entire kingdom during that seven years of famine, but don't just gather enough for your people, gather enough for all the kingdoms around you so that Egypt will be known as the place of safety and solitude all around. And wouldn't you know it, because of Joseph's faithfulness, someone say faithfulness, because of his faithfulness, Pharaoh, the king, raised Joseph, this slave in a prison cell, up to be second in command of everything of Egypt. Outside of the king, Joseph could make any call he wanted to. Finally, real power, real success, real authority. I'm standing in a palace, man. Like I am now the next in command. How many of you guys know that when we finally get success, our version of success is not what God's version of success looks like? It's true. I know it's sometimes hard to swallow, but it's true because the dream that God gave you, that calling he's given you, those giftings he's entrusted you with, they're not about you. They're for him and for you to serve others around you. Well, Pastor Chris, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it does. No, it doesn't. You just said at the very beginning, he had these crazy dreams where Joseph's um, brothers and family were bowing to him. He's the center of it agree to disagree. Let's continue to read what happens in the story. The famine happened just as Joseph said, affected every area around, including Canaan, which is where his family's from. And guess what they did? They traveled to Egypt. They came before the second in command of Egypt, not knowing it was Joseph. And what do you think they did? They bowed before him in honor and in thanks for him giving them food during this famine. Joseph immediately recognized his brothers. Dream, meet reality, baby. Like it finally came true. And I can only imagine the inner turmoil that Joseph was feeling in that moment. Maybe he had a sense of pride, like, yeah, yes, I told you, but he didn't do that. Maybe he had a sense of revenge. He could have, he could have been like, quick, everybody grab a shovel. We're gonna dig a giant pit. And then we're gonna throw these guys in it. We're gonna strip them naked, leave them in there for a week, and then we'll sell them into slavery and see how they like it. He didn't do any of that. He didn't do any of that. Because the dream that God gives you and the dream that's in your heart, King's house, you gotta remember where it came from in the first place. It started in God's heart before it made it to your heart. And the number one thing that's closest to God's heart is people. Get ready for a lot of alliterations, are you ready? A lot of peas are about to come out of my mouth. I truly believe, I had to practice this a lot, okay, are you ready? I truly believe that God used the pit and the prison to position Joseph 
on a platform of leadership into the palace. And I believe the same is for you too. When you're chasing after these God-sized dreams, I don't know where you're at in your journey, pit, prison, palace, but sometimes that palace can sometimes look more like a pit in a prison than an actual palace. And the palace guys, I'm not talking about a name it and claim it message. I'm not talking about a mansion with golden stairwells and a giant hot tub in the back and a car that you've always dreamed of. That's not what this is. The, the entire thing of a, of a palace is just a platform that God wants to elevate you to so you can bless him and bless others. If you read on this story, Joseph finally revealed himself to his brothers. Let's read what he says here in Genesis 42. He goes, guys, it's me. I'm your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now don't be distressed and, and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. What you intended to harm me, God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. And that is saving many lives, to save lives. And I truly believe that wherever you're at, God has positioned you to save lives, to talk to people about Jesus. It doesn't matter if you're rejected. It doesn't matter if they push you away. He's created you to be the light of the world in the dark places, at your jobs, in your homes, no matter where you're at. And it doesn't matter if you finally get to this place of success in your lives, guys. Obedience doesn't stop just because success happens. Obedience doesn't stop just because success happens. God wants to use you right where you are. Even in those dark, cold, and lonely places where you feel like you don't have another shot, Baby, you're never too far gone for God to use you. You're never too far gone to God to use you. And he wants you to dream bigger dreams. Get back on your feet. Chase after the things that God has for you. Amen? Would you guys stand to your feet as we get ready to close this morning? I know you're probably wondering, Pastor Chris, tell me truly, what's the difference between dreams and schemes? How can I tell the difference? I'll tell you. A self-serving dream that's focused only on you will always lead in disaster. But a God-centered dream, one that keeps him the center and your faithfulness never wavers, those are the dreams that will allow you to step into your destiny. That's the difference between dreams and schemes. Think about it for one more minute. If Joseph in this position of power and authority took it upon himself in that moment to seek revenge on his own brothers, then he couldn't focus on all the needs and the lives that were surrounding him because he focused on everything that went wrong to him. Sometimes King's House, we have to get our heads out of the sand and it's not about us, but it's about saving those and helping those around you. Haters are gonna hate. Even those who rejected you from the very beginning, it doesn't matter if you finally get to a position of success or a platform of leadership so you can serve. Haters are gonna hate, but here's the real question, King's House. When those haters come to you, those people who rejected you, cast you aside even, said horrible things about you, where's your heart at when they come asking you for help? That's when you can actually realize, God, you've positioned me here to be a blessing and not a curse. Lord, I pray a blessing over every single person in this room and everyone who's watching online today.
God, every dream, every passion, every calling that is deep within our hearts, help us to remember that they started first and foremost in your heart. God, help us to remember that it's not about us, it's about you, your kingdom, your glory, and helping bring people into your kingdom. So Lord, I ask that you would use us right where we're at. Rather we feel stuck in a pit or a prison, may our worship constantly be pointed to you and not about what everything's going wrong with us. Lord, may we see these dreams and passions and callings turn into a reality as we keep our eyes focused on you. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody says, amen. I love you, King's House. Thank you for letting me talk to you. Next Sunday, 11 o'clock only, and later this afternoon, Loaves of Love. We'll see you guys next Sunday at 11 o'clock. Thanks for joining our podcast today. If you are ever in need of prayer or wish to speak to a pastor, please email us at info at thekingshouse.church. And if you would like to give towards the ministry of the King's House, you can do so by visiting our website, thekingshouse.church slash giving. Or you can text any dollar amount to the number 84321 and simply respond to the prompt sent back to you. If you're ever around the area and want to visit, we meet every week at 124 V. Huber Smith Drive in McAllister, Oklahoma. You can even plan your visit ahead of time where you can reserve your seat, your parking spot, and even pre-check in your kids before arriving on the Sunday of your choice. Just fill out the quick form at thekingshouse.church slash plan your visit. Hey, we know life is busy, so be sure to click that subscribe button so you can catch all our latest messages. And we look forward to seeing you soon.